Drive-by cinema. Three nachos and a foaming thermos of fun. It is season two, episode eight of Drive-by Cinema. I am sitting in a virtual science circle with my co-host Paul. Hi everybody, I'm really getting vibes tonight. Vibes of a movie that we need to talk about. Richard, what would that movie be? And I am Rick, or Richard, as Paul describes me. Well, we're going to talk about hosts today, aren't we? But do we have any admin to do? Whew. Remind me again, what movie were we talking about last week, if you, if you don't mind? Ricky. Last week's movie... Dickie. Was Dick. Uh, Magnolia. Oh, Magnolia. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I, I do have a little quibble. Okay. You kind of said, Paul, you know, you're just imagining all these car crashes. And I wasn't. The ambulance does overturn at the end of the movie. <laughs> it's like literally the second to last scene, Richard, which makes me think, did you cheat last week? Oh, it's okay. It was three hours, eight minutes long. <laughs> If you didn't watch the movie, it's perfectly okay with me. But I think in these circumstances, honesty, you know, dib, 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 dob, 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 two fingers up. Be careful how I say that. You know, just tell us, Richard, if you just, you know, Wikipedia'd this one. I did not cheat. I watched the whole damn thing. I believe you. I believe you. I believe you. Many wouldn't. And, well, through this, these last two seasons, you have come up with many howlers. That really do, really do cast <laughs> suspicion on whether you bothered. Well, you, you you could have taken it on the chin, but <laughs> you know what they say, Richard. You can dish it out, but certainly can't take it. Look, if that's my only error for this entire podcast, then I'm doing well. Okay, so no, no, I mean, I, I'm fairly sure there was an overturned ambulance at the end of the movie, Richard. But you've gaslighted me so much now that I'm not sure anymore. You see Julianne Moore in hospital, and she's being tended to and fine at the end, after that. I didn't say she died, I said the ambulance overturned. Yeah, they obviously got her out of the ambulance, though. They extracted her, didn't they? It's Apparently it's possible to get people out of overturned ambulances, that's all I'm saying. Okay. That you slide them out sideways or something, I don't know. And I concede your point, good sir. Okay, so anything you have to say about a magnolia, Richard, apart from that it was too long... No, I think we said it all last week. Let's not watch it again. <laughs> how's how's Brexit going, Paul? Uh, are you able to fill your car up with petrol or get any food in the supermarket? <laughs> well, can we do we? I mean, is this because uh, we're watching quite a short movie? We were watching quite a short movie this week, so you, you need to fill with even more polyfiller than we normally use. Paul, we often talk about the current state of the... Look, this podcast, as I've mentioned before, is going to be like Samuel Pepys' diary, isn't it? Or even the Decameron. What's that? The Decameron. Is that, what, Daily Thompson? No, the Decameron is a set of short stories told by uh, Italian nobility who were condemned to stay in a castle together. So, i.e. lockdown situations. Oh, right. And it was like creative writing class for them. Kind of therapy, was it? I can see, I can see your mood tonight, Richard. You, you, you're determined to pervert the course of justice. The, course of justice. the Decameron was a novel by Boccaccio, Gio- Giovanni Boccaccio. 
14th century, uh, and I think Shakespeare took some of his central storylines from it. And stole them. It's rather like, uh, you know, uh, who is it? Uh, Rumpelstiltskin, where she has to, does she have to knit her hair every day? She has to spin gold every day to stay alive, yeah. And there's another it's, kind of. It's fa- one of those. It's one of those fairy tales which the the point, the moral, is a bit murky, isn't it? I'm not quite sure what we're supposed to learn from that. What are kids supposed to get from that? I don't know. Apart from a Rolling Stones song, tell me what's my name. Uh, but uh, Rumpelstiltskin. However, uh, so I mean, Rumpelstiltskin. You know, she has to do this thing again and again and again. And is it a thousand and one Arabian Nights where the premise is? They have to spin a story every night to avoid the scimitar. I think it is. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's the same idea. So the Decameron is just, like I said, a collection of short stories. I'm now referring to to my notes, Richard. A hundred tales told by several young men and young women as they shelter to avoid the Black Death. There we go. That's what reminded me of coronavirus situations. Ah, there we are. So you know they tell stories to keep themselves, keep keep their minds alive, so to speak. And it's been very influential. But anyway, that's not the point you were making. Sorry to interrupt. No, well, in the same way that Samuel Pepys' diary told a story of life in London at the time, especially around the Black Death and the Great Fire, where he buried his cheese or whatever to save it. And similarly, you know, future historians when they're writing about COVID and the lockdown period. They're going to want stories from ordinary people living their lives. And Brexit as well, of course. And it'll be to primary sources like this that historians will turn. As opposed to Brent. As opposed to YouTube. Well, we could put this on YouTube if you got your act together, Paul, and set up a YouTube channel. <laughs> it's coming thick and fast. Isn't it? Look, okay, so Brexit. Okay, what, are, what petrol shortages. Um, one, I mean, I, I found petrol stations open. Uh, and oh. I've also found very large queues for some of them, and no queues for other ones that are open. Strangely, uh, I don't know why, why? that is. I, because is people it, are stupid. Is it just because are people going to like the, the Sainsburys and the Tesco's and avoiding? Well, they're the all closed, too? I think. Yeah, because I live out in the sticks. One of them was open and had prices that were still like one thirty a litre, which is ridiculously cheap. Uh, that's really out in the boondocks. I, I, maybe they don't know what's happened. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> no one's told. Them. Everybody else has put their prices up to about one thirty-eight, one thirty-nine. If you go to the right kind of uh, hillbilly kind of redneck filling stations with, that, no, that no one normally ever uses, the mum and pop shops, the places that still have one of those wires where a bell rings when you drive over it, and someone comes out, something and like puts that, petrol yeah. in your car, yeah. that you can still fill up. Yeah, I did do yesterday. I, I filled up a good forty-five pounds worth of fuel. Uh, however, in town, most places are limited to twenty-five. I don't know what, how it is in Mancunia. I haven't even tried. I haven't even tried. And yeah, so, uh, so I'm not going to be travelling anywhere very much lately. I think. Or if you are, it's going to be on an electric bike next week. So observations on this. I am. Uh, Brexit androgynous. Uh, my pronouns around Brexit are are, are undefined. 
Uh, I, I don't think it's entirely Brexit's fault, though, Richard, is it? I mean, some of it is Brexit, but not all of it. I mean, Poland is, is, is having exacerbated uh, delivery difficulties also, isn't it? Well, several European countries have shortages of HGV drivers. Ah, okay. But no other countries in Europe are suffering supermarket food shortages and fuel shortages. So the only, you know, COVID has been a factor. General shortage of HGV drivers has been a factor. But only the United Kingdom has sought to impose economic sanctions on itself. So that's the difference. That's the only... That's what differentiates us from all those other nations, isn't it? I respect your your neutral position on Brexit, but you have to admit, if you were going to do Brexit, a competent government would have started planning years and years before. Well, a competent government would have, re- would have reduced the country to the state of Venezuela in several months. It's quite an achievement, really, you know. We're grabbing at food, we're all filling up jerry cans. It's Venezuela, you know. There, it is quite a competition. There's people having knife fights on forecourts. That's ridiculous. It's, it's, I'm not entirely neutral, it's just I don't really have a position that I care about. Obviously, I think I would have voted to stay in the EU, but one, I wasn't living here, and two, I didn't vote. So three, I, 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 don't know, I can't bother having a position. And four, having been away from the country and seen families fall out and friends fall out over it, I just, I don't think it's worthwhile articulating a point for something that's been that's been done and dusted, so to speak. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know. But there comes a point where you have to say to people, I didn't vote for this fucking shit, and we said exactly what was going to happen. And exactly what we said is going to happen has happened. Actually, it's even worse than we said it was going to be. Who knew? It is. It is a little bit worse. You know, <laughs> look at Boris. He's doing it under the guise of COVID, isn't he, you see? So. That's it. But that bubble's going to burst eventually. He's an astonishingly lucky man. Eventually, people are going to figure out that this has gone horribly wrong. I'd just rather not be living in the country that's doing it, I think, at the moment. So, I mean, there are, at this moment, there, there is at this moment a huge, huge incentive, if you fear that this is going to continue for some time, to buy an electric car, buy an electric scooter, or buy any form of electric transportation, isn't there? I mean, even a Halfords e-bike, which are pretty cheap. They're only 800 quid, aren't they? 600 quid, so. Yeah, I'd love an electric car. I just need somewhere to plug it in properly. It's a bit tricky in an apartment. Can't just run a lead out from where the kettle normally is. I can't, I can't toss an extension cable. <laughs> Throw it out the window. Now, listen. Speaking of lockdown, uh, sociology, the movie that is going to follow this music. Is. It's a kind of G host story called Host. Host 2020, yes, directed by Mr. Savage. The word host is contained in the word ghost. So clever. And of course, host is what you do with the... Oh, wow. G-host. Host is what you do with a Zoom meeting. And of course, you can play host to malevolent supernatural entities, can't you? It works on multiple levels. Indeed. Similarly, the name Emma... It's wholly contained in the name Gemma, two of the characters there. I see. Any palindromes? Are you got to come up, with, come up with the next one? <laughs> uh, I don't think I spotted any palindromes. What is the word for a fear of palindromes? <laughs> it's a, such a word. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, I guess we're looking it up. Is that, that the thing that we're doing? No, it's iobophobia. It's a palindrome. Iobophobia. <laughs> I don't know that. Okay. So when the doctor says, oh, I'm sorry, you suffer from. I'm just let me write this down for you. It's a difficult word to, to, to pronounce. Let me write this word down for you. You suffer from iobophobia. And then he shows it to the patient. He's going to freak out the patient, isn't he? <laughs> Only if they notice. The illness that dare not write its name. Well, I guess if, you, if, you, if you're scared of palindromes, I guess you're looking out for them, aren't you, all the time? Anyway, let us not dally. Let's head on to today. Never odd or even, Paul. means. Is that a threat? That's a palindrome. Oh. Never, never odd or it even. It is. Wow. Can I just write that down? Don't nod, Paul. Don't nod. Anyway, let us not dally. Don't nod. It's another palindrome. <laughs> let us not dally. Let us move swiftly forward to the meeting gobbins of today's Sir, I demand I am a maid named Iris. Richard, I imagine if you type the word <laughs> type the word palindrome uh, into your computer, yes, there is a long list of palindromes that you could <laughs> continuously read out throughout the rest of this podcast. I, I'm not in doubt of that if, if, if you thought I was, if you thought I were. Host, Paul, it's, it's a screen film format. Yeah, or even a screen movie. <laughs> That's just not the term of art, Paul. Are you sure in the United States? Uh, I'm not sure. No, I'm not sure. But this is not a uh, an American film. This is a British film. Indeed, notably so. Indeed. Although, so let's call it a screen film. Uh, and uh, for some reason, Wikipedia referred to it as a screencast. Is there a reason for that? Screencast. Well, it's what you call when you're broadcasting what's on screen. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. No, it, it, it does stick pretty rigidly to the format, doesn't it? You're supposed to be looking at the Zoom meeting from one of the characters. Not quite oh. sure which one. I guess the the, the, the first lady, Haley, maybe her screen. Yeah, and it's very, very consistent. Unlike other movies that we've seen of this genre or near to this genre, it really does stay in that first-person fixation, doesn't it? You know, we don't really leave. It does. We don't leave the computer screen at any point. The only thing that brought me out of it a bit is people had uh, a strong tendency to like pick their computer up and then walk around and show people stuff. Now, I don't know about you, if I picked my laptop up whilst I'm on this Zoom call with you, you, you would not be seeing... I mean, all, all my peripherals would disconnect. The camera would go off. You wouldn't be able to see what I was looking at. The camera on the laptop is terrible. The battery would probably go. My Wi-Fi connection would flick over. It wouldn't really work, would it? But I think some of the characters are supposed to be zooming on their phone, aren't they? They join the meeting progressively, as as is the case with Zoom meetings. And Gemma is the first one to come in. I think Haley's hosting this, isn't she? Haley is yeah. a young American uh, professional, young professional in London, I guess, who's hosted this. I guess she's trying to make friends around London. And uh, her first friend, Gemma, pops in. Now, Gemma is of half Chinese heritage, presumably. And uh, she hops in on a computer and then switches to a phone. And we get a hilarious moment of feedback between the two. I'm not sure that... Other, other way around. Because she, she's outside. I'm not sure it happens on Zoom. I don't think that happens on Zoom. Oh, it does? I think Zoom has some quite sophisticated technology to stop No, Paul, if you, if you join on your phone now... You'll find out. I'll get the whoopy whoopy sounds. And and then some. Yeah. You'll get echoes. Wow. Then why don't I get it from my computer to my computer? Ah, yeah. On the same computer, 
Zoom is very good at cancelling echoes, yeah. But uh, if you joined on another device, that would not be the same. Yeah, no, Gemma starts on her phone because she's outside. She starts outside Haley's window, I think. She's like chucking things at the, the window. And then she I goes see. to her own house, switches over, gets the echo, turns off her phone, and the others join. So they're neighbourhood pals. Why, Paul? Why are they joining? Well, they're joining progressively, one by one. Uh, Haley has joined. Is joined by Gemma, Caroline, who's like a posh northerner, uh, Emma, who's a bit ditzy and has pigtails, uh, Teddy, who's a male twat, and Radina, who's like uh, a Londoner, I guess. Uh, and uh, they all join one by one. Quite, they're quite scatty about how they join. Uh, they're quite scratty millennials in their behaviour, aren't they? Uh, and uh, they're all joining because Haley has organised a lockdown seance. Now, we are to infer that all these people know each other from uni, I think. Nottingham, I think, is mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Nottingham, yeah. And, yeah, so makes a change from a lockdown Zoom quiz, doesn't it? Yes, that was a good idea, I thought. Good idea. Yeah, how do we describe the plot of this film? Well, it is 56 minutes of watching. i tell you something. This film is mercifully short. Yeah, Compared to uh, Magnolia last week, thank goodness. Although you, Paul, you seem to say that you'd watched only half of it last time we spoke. Well, I had. When you said, Paul, how are you progressing with today's homework? Yeah. Uh, this week's homework, I said I'm halfway through. I was about 30 minutes in, yeah. Why? I mean, it's a very short film, Paul. Why would you need to split it up? Why did you need an interval? Why do you think that's enough for now? I'll put that down and come back to it later. Because I watch it at work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that makes sense. What do you do at work? I, I, I find it, you know, very easy. I find it, well, I don't watch movies. I find it very easy to watch it all in one go, bite-sized. Easy to consume, Paul. But it has a very, really, really high ratings on whatever. Uh, really high ratings. I was praised for the the kind of energy and the ambience between the characters. And essentially, yeah. I guess, yeah. the dialogue. But from what I can see, it's just people, like, talking talking nothings, you know. I mean, apart from the phrase, I'm going to head. Yeah, it was Zoom chat, wasn't it? I'm going to head, which I guess then, by which they mean, I'm going to bounce or I'm going to head off. But I wasn't, I mean, this is a very young thing, isn't it? I wasn't aware that I'm going to head can mean I'm going to bounce, but there we go. So I learned that. But I, I didn't think the dialogue was very scintillating or or anything. It was just representative chat. In a sense, I guess a lot of it was it's unscripted, just, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was just very naturalistic, wasn't it? It was authentic, I think. Mm-hmm. That's what it's being praised for. But, it, I mean, it did build, you know, you did feel that they very, very, very much were a friendship group with a common shared history. So I think that really did come across quite well. So I kind of concur with that observation. Well, there's two great things about this movie. And you're right, it did get very well reviewed, this. It also has just very recently been crowned the scariest movie of all time using the same research techniques that crowned our previous scariest movie of all time, Sinister. And I don't know what you think about that, Paul. Do you think this is scarier than Sinister? (sighs) No, no, I was going to say those observations till later, but I certainly thought, thought that, you know, from, from when it starts getting scary, which is about 20 minutes in, it does take quite a while to get going. 
Paul, there was just a knock there or something falling over at your end. Did you hear that? <laughs> uh, so it kind of like, it wasn't really scary when it first started trying to get scary. But it did get scary, I think, about 30 minutes in. And I think for about 10 minutes, it kind of peaked. And for me, it was genuinely scary. But by the end, when ghouls are appearing, I think for me, I'd, I'd you know, if 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 scares were caffeine, you know, I'd had my three cups by that point, and, and it wasn't really changing anything, you know. So 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 yes, it was scary, but not the scariest movie of all time. I don't think. How do they measure this? Interestingly, well, this is what I was going to say. How they do it is they hook people up to heart rate monitors, and then they get them to watch a selection of scary movies, and they figure out which one is resulting in the highest heart rate. And previously that was Sinister, but I think Sinister is an exceptionally scary movie. Now they've done it again. Sinister, I think, came second and Host has come out top because it's new, obviously. So, more recent. Um, so they could only have tested it very recently. Uh, and I, But I think there are some problems with that as a test. I think your heart rate doesn't necessarily indicate fear. It could indicate arousal of some kind. For instance... Perhaps it indicates people's anger at having to watch a Zoom a Zoom meeting again <laughs> for the five hundredth time over the last. Well, last this is it. You know, we spend months. you know we spend twenty four hours a week in Zoom or whatever, and and, and then for a weekend we've got to watch another Zoom moving movie. I, I mean, yeah, I can understand why it might might cause some sort of consternation or anger, but it was scary. Do you not find it scary at all, Richard? Or were you just laughing at it? No, I did find it. I did find it spooky, and yeah. that is notwithstanding the fact that, of course, this is a supernatural film. It has strongly supernatural elements that aren't, you know, ambiguous enough to possibly be something else. You know, it is definitely oh. a supernatural thing. You see, I thought it held out on that for not quite long enough, but for quite a long time. I think it held out for about. 30 minutes because one of the characters Caroline the posh northerner she set up a green screen background with some sort of video overlay where she's kind of like it's her but it's not her it's just it's just you know uh, a time shifted video of her and so this is the classic zoom trope isn't it like yeah people have been playing around with this kind of nonsense since they we were all forced onto Zoom. It's your office joker thing, isn't it? Like my one of my colleagues in the office has got uh, had one where he was delivering himself a cup of tea or coffee in in the morning or whatever. So you'd see him <laughs> arrive behind him and put a cup of coffee on his desk, and then he'd cleverly have the same cup, I think, so he could pick it up, so it looked like he'd really delivered it. Ah, uh, right, that's clever. So, and you've got a green screen with a pussy on it, don't you, Paul? I do, yeah. And also, I put a real curtain. Well, no, I put a real curtain in front of it. So oh, that, yeah, it's mixed reality. Yeah, yeah. I, I mixed that reality out. Prop, yeah. Very clever. So, I thought at some point we were going to say, hey, come on, Haley, stop joking, or Caroline, stop joking. You know, they didn't really, did they? So, pretty soon, any idea that it could be a hoax or a prank or worse, one of them manipulating the videos in order to do bad, all those three options kind of dropped, were dropped pretty quickly, weren't they? Or at least they were for me. 
I was going to say, this movie does a couple of things really well, irrespective of whether you think it hit the mark with its fright, uh, frightening fear thing. One is, as we've discussed, the interactions between the friends feels very authentic. And, you know, in part, I think there must have been quite a lot of improv going on here, I think. And all those actors, all the character names are the actors' names, right? The first names, at least. You know, so I guess it makes it easier to act, particularly if you've got limited rehearsal and you're trying to improv, if you're using the same name as your real name. It's just good practice, isn't it? The other thing that they completely nail in this film is the technology, right? They they completely nail Zoom. Because I think it was actually filmed on Zoom, wasn't it? It looks completely yeah, authentic. Yeah, it's all recorded Zoom meetings, yeah. yeah. And they've got that... Uh, they've got the Zoom tropes, like we mentioned. You know, the background that people have set. And, um, you know, all the standard Zoom things happen. You know, people dropping out and the echoes, like we mentioned, that kind of stuff. Perfectly observed. Contrast that with the way Hollywood has and still fucks up the telephone all the time. (laughs) You know, no one in a movie or a television program has ever used a telephone properly. I mean, you get the wrong sound when you pick it up, or they go like that on the thing. (laughs) You know, if they're trying to make a connection, they'll break the connection continually by pressing on the, the hook. Or no one says goodbye properly, do they? You know, they end the conversation immediately, just put it down. There's none of the normal interplay on the phone. That you get. Well, this is because it was a genuine Zoom meeting that they were making this on. Incredibly, we do get some supernatural ghoulish effects at the end. And they were also created by the actors using, you know, simple simple broadcast technology, feed it, putting feeds into Zoom, setting up the frame and pressing play at the right moment. Incredible, because they're really effective because they just appear for flashes of a second. So that all really worked for me. I think it was a good idea to drop potential, haha, it's just a prank uh, outcomes for the, for, the, for the plot as they did about 20 or 30 minutes in. Uh, and then we settled down for what we knew was going to be a supernatural rollercoaster ride. And it was quite a rollercoaster ride. So I think all those choices somehow, I, I, because I don't know how they how they decided this, but all those choices seem to fit together to make a movie that was coherent and that was designed to scare. So generally, I, th- I thought all that worked. And we've got a couple of standard horror tropes as well that they wheel out quite early in the movie. You've got a scary clown puppet. <laughs> that was think... a bit laughable, but it's supposed to be laughable, isn't it? It is, yeah. They're, t- they're sort of nodding and winking at that. And then Teddy, who had this clown puppet, I think, he's also got a scary musical box that he winds up. Yes, yeah. Because <laughs> they're all kind of laughing at that, going, oh, Teddy, you know, <laughs> what have you brought that for? Oh, God, don't do that. We're doing a seance. Let's head over to Richard, who's going to deal with the plot. Okay, so Richard, yeah. So, you know, 10 minutes in, uh, the first of two media turn up. Her name is Ceylon. No, you're getting that confused. There's only one medium. Uh, So, yes, we'll come back to that later. There's only one medium. Okay, so (laughs) Ceylon shows up on the call. She says, oh, I don't 
I don't really know how this is going to work. Never done this on Zoom before. But somehow she has worked out... Never done a virtual seance before. Somehow she does have all the rules down, Paul. You mentioned that she's got a series of seance rules. What are they? What are you supposed to do? Well, the first is, as you said, they've got to bring some spooky thing from their past. Yeah. That reminds them of somebody dead, basically, or the person that they want to speak to. Is that the general idea, roughly speaking? I think so, yeah. And you've got to have a candle. You've all got to bring a candle. They've got to hold virtual hands. Yeah, they've all got to bring a candle to focus the spirit's energy. That's dangerous, isn't it? It is dangerous, yeah, because it it will possess one of us. But when we say possess, don't be frightened. Okay, and (laughs) then uh, they've got to tie a a virtual tether to the front door. Like 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 uh, yeah. a mountaineering caribou, whatever you call them. Like, you know, they've got to hook themselves into the front door virtually so that they can drag themselves out of the situation if it all gets too much. Virtually. No, I think it, in the case of a spiritual emergency of some kind, you have to imagine cutting the cord, don't you? Oh, cutting so the cord, okay. okay. Yeah, so, so that it leaves... The bad spirits leave the house. I don't know. It's absolute nonsense. Salem makes a very good case for you know, <laughs> pataphysical uh, representation of spirit energy. We're all energy. They're very attracted to batteries because uh, they're full of energy. Uh, lights you might find flickering. And you've got energy. So when they possess you, don't be worried. They're just possessing you. Uh, and they're just spirits. Now, here there's a distinction to be made later in the movie between spirits and demons, and inevitably, as you can guess, demons are going to appear. So that's how they start off. And, you know, uh, they're listening for knocks and lights flickering. And guess what? Pretty immediately, Gemma's dead friend, Jack, who committed suicide at school, contacts. And there's huge knocks in her room, and she's kind of terrified and jumps up and down. And, and then Salem disappears. Is that right? She dropped from Listen, the Listen, I've got to stop you and just draw your attention to the newage uh, around the word energy, which is, of course, you know, all uh, paranormalists and spiritualists and mediums and anybody involved with new age crap always. Do you mean newage to rhyme with sewage, Richard? Exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, it's one of those cases where people like to use these words which actually have scientific meaning that is well understood. I think it's one of the triumphs of physics. I know people I know people have long said that, you know, like you know, since Newton's time probably that science is kind of at an end and it's always been proven wrong and it's hubris to think. But we really do have a good understanding of what the word energy means in a physical context and what force is, you know, and what things are made of. Yeah. And you can't just th- toss the word energy around. What they mean is, I think, is like an agency, a motive kind of an animated force uh, uh, that that can presence. Yeah, some crap like that. What is spirit? What is spirit supposed to be? It's supposed to be what an, a non-material thing. Yes. That can't be detected by any normal means and yet can you know, make a knock sound, which is, of course, requires physical energy and actual physical interaction with the... Well, I, you know, I think our attendees are with you, apart from Haley, the American who's taking it rather seriously. They're all giggling about this. They're saying, you know, let's play a drinking game. Whenever this <laughs> batty old Scottish woman with the frizzy hair 
says the word astral plane. We've all got to drink a shot. They're like, well, drink it out of shot, drink it out of camera, you know, make sure the shot is not in shot kind of thing. Cause otherwise she's going to get really angry and the ghosts will get really angry too. Titty. He he he. So they're not taking any of this seriously, Richard, are they? Much, much to their later dismay, I would guess. Yeah, look, uh, let me put all of my materialist philosophy in a cupboard and put it away. For the time being, yeah. Because yeah. Ceylon's disappearance is a great bit in the movie, actually. It is, yeah. Because yeah. you get a very brief flash. It looks like something is kind of leaping at her and she disappears. But um, it's so quick, you can't really see it. And, it, and you know, it could be a trick of the, trick of the eye, couldn't it? a trick of the light or some kind of artifact on the camera. But it just looks like some weird thing, some entity has grabbed her. But she disappears out of the call and it leaves them sort of halfway through the seance. With... A little bit scared because Gemma's just had her friend Jack appear. And the thing about that is, is she revealed, actually she made that up. She's like, yeah, I'm just joking, guys. Just, joking. just shitting you, you know. Later, eventually, when Salem returns, she points out how dangerous that was because she's not invoking a real spirit. This is incredible. Yeah, I had to giggle at this point. So, consequently, she's inviting a devil or a demon of some kind. To come because, out. no, it's not just that. It's that she's created a spirit mask. <laughs> yes. And the demon can hide behind the spirit mask. We can't see spirits or demons anyway. They don't have to hide from us. Do you know what I mean? It's <laughs> just ridiculous. So, you know, if you're going to follow this logic, I think that was the weakest part of the plotting. But I think that's... However, paradoxically, it works because it kind of like... We're at this point laughing at the movie and thinking this is just ridiculous, you know. So, but hold on tight because things are about to get crazy, aren't they? Well, I was going to say, Gemma had asked Ceylan, what if one of my relatives from China came through because I don't speak... I don't speak Chinese. That's what Gemma's clearly taking the piss, isn't she? Hey, what does she mean when she says doesn't speak Chinese? Does that mean Mandarin or Cantonese? That's not a language, is it? It's a language continuum. It depends how adv- it depends how modern your linguistics politics are, really. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Ceylon tells her though that there is no language on the astral plane. Yes. How do they? What do they the fuck was all that about? <laughs> how did she know this even? So someone then asks, "Why is she trying to communicate with them? Therefore, in language, I, d- I just don't get what's going on here." So, well, she points out that, of course, that means that your pets can communicate. So she does, yeah. That's or fine. even perhaps rocks or pet rocks or pet plants or whatever. And then she plays something. I think she calls them isotronic tones at them. I, I've seen this on YouTube. It is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. What are they, isotronic tones? It's just that kind of ringy meditation sound, like a, like a very pure, almost like, you know, when you put your finger on a, gla- a wine glass, okay. a mix of that with a bell, between those two sounds. Very pure what are sound. those weird kind of drum things called? Uh, I don't know. Bongos? <laughs> no, no, it's like a metal thing that makes a ringing I don't sound. Know. Ding, dong. No reason, she says, why a spirit couldn't communicate over the internet. Because as you say, as you said, they're attracted to batteries and electricity. 
And in any case, they don't speak language, do they? They speak energy. So. At, uh, one of these critical points, one of them is interrupted by a knock on the door and it's an Ocado delivery. <laughs> it was the seance. It was a seance uh, leader. It was... Uh... Ceylon. Oh, it's Ceylon. Yeah, that's right. She had an Ocado delivery. Yeah, That's right, yeah. <laughs> no substitutions. That's I thought it was a nice moment of bathos, actually. Again, it's perfectly well observed. Great, great Zoom uh, and, you know, modern life in lockdown stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Things start to go wrong. Ceylon disappears from the call. We learn later it was a power cut. She eventually gets back. Uh, but uh, the first thing that happens is they start to hear, well, there's several weird things that go on, aren't there? That I think, is it Caroline? Um, you start to see like, a, 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 it looks like a reflection of the candle flame behind her. It's kind of a flickering. Oh, but it's on her forehead. She moves and it's just like some sort of... It looks like a reflection, reflection. in the camera, yeah. but it appears on some of the other girls' screens as well later. It, it seems oh. to move, representing maybe the manifestation moving around. Oh, clever. And you also hear piped into the audio, you hear the, this, it's like a Geiger counter, actually. So yes. this clicking sound that builds up. Um, but various things start to happen, don't they? There's weird events occurring behind them in there. There's sounds occurring. And at one point, is it Gemma goes up to her attic and she puts her phone on a selfie stick and shoves it up into the That's attic. That's right, yeah. yeah. That's when she sees the feet of someone as if they're hanging, hanging there. And then that promptly disappears, doesn't it? That, that, that yeah, apparition. she looks again and she can't see it. Yeah, It's quite, it's quite well done, all of that bit. Mm. It's really quite spooky. You know, I think... They really go all in on the supernatural entity thing. There's a point at which uh, Haley is sitting and her chair is suddenly dragged across the room backwards with her on it. And she's dragged quite quickly. Something is going on and you can't put that down to what really goes on in seances. Because what really happens in seances is more like what Gemma is doing. You know, people partly make it up. They partly imagine things. They're primed to expect certain things. They're listening for nothing. They manage to spook themselves out. That's uh, right. And then they start taking it seriously. They start thinking things that they weren't originally meant to think. You know? That's right. People's imaginations run away with them. And there's even a sense of sort of a joint hallucination that goes on, I think, in, in a lot of senses. That, but that doesn't hold water with the depiction of this particular seance, does it? Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, cut a, cut a short story short. I mean, they all meet pretty terrible ends, don't they? Yeah, exactly. There aren't many of them that survive, are there, I don't think? Don't think there's any. I'm not sure. Uh, Rodina finds her boyfriend, Alan, on the floor at one point, doesn't she? Yeah. Uh, and then she gets attacked by something. And then, yeah, the incredibly creepy moment. You just knew... When you saw uh, Caroline's humorous background of her, and, it, and it, as you've described it, it's a background where she's taking a video of her coming into the room in her pajamas, looking through a drawer and stuff, and it just appears behind her in an early part of the Zoom call. Like I say, we've all seen this done in Zoom, but you just knew when you saw that 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 was going to become important later. I I did anyway. It yeah. telegraphed it to me, and so 
later on in the film, of course, they're seeing Caroline come into the room in her pyjamas. And for a moment you think, oh, well, she must be fine. But then you realise that you've seen, you know, it repeats and you've seen it again. And it is just her background. And then, of course, you see very briefly, as Zoom does when it does a virtual background, sometimes like the background bleeds through, doesn't it? And you yeah. see her face being kind of bashed against the keyboard or something. And it's really it bloody. Are. Yeah. But it's a, that's a really atmospheric bit. I thought that was beautifully done. Because it, it, it's a it's a setup that requires that entire Zoom culture that we, you know, that's grown up in the last two years to exist before it can pay off that. I liked how Emma met her and she was kind of hoisted into the air and then her neck was cricked. She was hung in midair without a noose kind of thing and suspended that's in right. midair. She was hoisted bodily, yeah. Delightful, yeah. Uh, and Teddy and his girlfriend, because Teddy's moved off the call a long time ago. Shag, yeah, he, he he goes before the science starts, doesn't he? They meet a violent end of the swimming pool, I think, don't they? Yeah, they, well, they end up going outside, don't they? Again, carrying a phone. And he finds the that creepy doll, that clown doll, comes into it, I think, briefly. But yeah. Oh, no, that's right, yeah. Toward the end of the seance, where all the girls are terrified, Teddy comes back, having shagged his girlfriend, and he's scaring them with the creepy clown doll. Hilarious. And they're like, and they're like no, stop it, you know. And, of course... The entity sort of invades Teddy's existence, and he runs outside, and he finds that music box playing, doesn't he, in the yeah. barn or something? He's somewhere rural, isn't he? Caroline again meets her end by having her head not smashed against the screen, but smashed against the keyboard, so we can see her being, you know, her head being, you know, repeatedly pulverized on her keyboard. I think so. It kind of, it's kind of, comes down to the final two, which is. Uh, Haley, the the American that hosted it, and Gemma. So Gemma tries to get round to Haley's house to see that she's okay. Is that right? That's right. She leaves Obvious her mistake. Zoom station, and we know it's not far away. And I think somehow hasn't the window been broken? She climbs in through the window. That's right. Yeah. What's the last scene of the movie then? I thought a second, uh, a second medium appeared just before this. Ah, no, 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 no. Okay. You're a bit confused by this, aren't you? Mm. So, and this is a really nice thing, actually. At the end of the movie movie and the credits have rolled, we now get some of the prep work that the production team did with the actors. Uh And what they did was they had a Zoom (laughs) seance. So they got a real medium and they got the actors and presumably the director and the writer uh, all on the Zoom call. And they go through the process of having a, a Zoom seance. And quite quite a few... Okay, sorry to interrupt, but how was that fourth wall demonstrated to be broken? Was it just obvious this was the title credits? or? Yeah, there was a little message at the end that said, prior to the filming, we had a Zoom seance with the crew, cast and crew. And here it is. You missed that bit, did you? No, I didn't miss that, but I thought that was the ghost... <laughs> Like projecting into the continuing <laughs> Zoom call in case anybody came into the Zoom call and saw the horrible things that was seemed to be being replayed. That was I just my I I I don't think that was clearly signposted enough to be honest with you. Paul, it was white text on a black background, a, a technique that has prevailed since the silent movie era of filmmaking. <laughs> 
But it's a beautiful thing because you can see where a lot of the ideas they got and a lot of the yeah. dialogue they used in the film, they took that directly from what the medium had said during this online seance. Uh, also, it, exactly the kind of uh, you know mass hallucination kind of took place in the sense that uh, one of them heard a noise and they all go, oh my God. <laughs> and they're all kind of shitting, shitting themselves up with the whole whole affair. But it was scary. And the thing was, uh, was that they could watch and we could watch the horror happening, but couldn't do anything about it. So I think that's a that's a key thing to horror, isn't it? It's it's that it's that the, the tentative nature of it all is that it's so close. I yeah. mean, this set of circumstances so uncontrollable at the same time, you know. So, I mean, yeah, that's the interesting thing about it, isn't it? That's the format of this Zoom call means that all but one of the actors are also in the audience, like you are, you know. Yeah. So they're sharing it with you, and the way they filmed it, the way he filmed it was he. Uh, he filmed the death scenes first. He went to the ac- actors, um, and it all seems to be filmed in their own homes as well. Or, or, yeah. or I, I mean, p- possibly they found filming locations. That real séance—they were all in the same places. The actors were all in their own, presumably in their own homes. It was all the same back- backdrops, wasn't it? Right. But um, uh, he went to the different houses, the different actors who were going to die. He filmed the death scenes. And then they set up the Zoom call and play it out where they're all chatting and stuff. Then when it came time in the plot line for one of the actors to suffer a death, he would play it out to all of them on the Zoom call. And so you're seeing their real reactions to... Uh... And they haven't seen it before, of course. So they're all react, reacting in a genuine way, which is a beautiful way to film it. And again, I think it speaks to the authenticity. Sure, yeah. And I think that levity beforehand, the jokiness that they set up, you know, the, the calm before the storm, the jokiness of all that really helped us transition mood-wise as an audience. So I, I thought there were some nice touches here to his direct, in this, is it directorial debut? He's got another movie after this, Paul. Ah. In a similar vein, but has not been so critically received. It's called Dashcam. Interesting. Yeah. It's taken from the point of view of a dashcam in a car. Hmm. There's something about the genre, the impassive nature of the recording, that makes it somehow... It lends some gravity to the situation, I think. I don't know how it does that. But uh, there's a sense of... Particularly this horror, I think there's a sense of inexorable progression that really helped with the scare factor. So, but there are some funny moments, yeah. Like when they first get scared and the first, the monsters, you know, the monsters first start appearing, and I think somebody gets hit on the head and stuff starts flying around rooms and that kind of thing. They try to say say a chant together. Is that right? At some point, they have to chant some sort of spellbreaker together, which okay. I thought was just like impossible on Zoom, you know, with Zoom lag. The idea <laughs> they could try and say this at the same time just is not going to happen, is it? And I think the reason why I didn't understand the end of the movie was, Richard, because about 45 minutes in, just as Teddy the Twat was saying, oh, it's gone really dark in here. It turned nine o'clock on my phone. I was watching it you know, at nine o'clock at night, and it just happened to be my bedtime mode where my phone goes black and white. Right? <laughs> For some reason, 
uh, that affected the Amazon Prime refresh. And the movie just didn't go black and white. It went completely black, right? <laughs> and so I thought, like, the Zoom meeting had failed and all their cameras had failed and all we could hear was audio. And I thought it had turned into, like, a radio show. So the last 15 minutes I watched as if it was... A, I had listened to it as if it was a radio show. And I thought this was all intentional. <laughs> right. So then right. I, I so then I went back to watch it. I haven't turned off my bedtime mode on my phone. And I thought, oh, fuck, there's a whole movie here. And then I watched that last bit again. So I think that's some of the reason why I got confused towards the end. Because I'd imagine that the... the, the, the not the monster, the demon had... Uh, had managed to shut off all their Zoom streams. But there you go. I'm going to make an important point here. And I I want you to disregard my hectoring tone and try not to feel attacked by it. But when have you ever gone to bed at (laughs) 9pm? Why would I resent you saying that? I don't resent your hectoring tone, Richard. (laughs) Richard, we all, you know, I mean, you're not... You're not, this, into, you, you're not into you, newage. You don't into listening to smooth sounds to help you go to sleep. You don't like listening to waves. It's all too hippie for you. I, I, you know, I'm not a Sheilaist. I don't believe in this kind of eclectic spiritualism. But at the same time, you know, I, I do have self improvement goals, and one of them is to fall asleep at nine o'clock and wake up at five. <laughs> you have never. So done. every night, so every night, I turn it off. And carry on watching whatever I watch on my phone, and then every week I get I get a report saying, "Yeah, during bedtime mode, you've used your phone for forty two hours." <laughs> and every week it's the same. So, but you can I mean, hope springs eternal, doesn't it? It's like being a twelve o'clock flasher, Paul. I am I am a night owl. There's nothing I can do about it to the extent that I do walk along the sand dunes and scare people. So yeah, my nine pm watershed kind of ruined the movie, and I. I didn't realise that it wasn't supposed to go pitch black. For some reason, Amazon did that. Amazon Prime did that. I don't know why. It's never done it before. Anyway, there was another funny thing, which was, as soon as the shit hits the fan spirit-wise, the medium disappears, doesn't she? She's, like, not there to help at all. It's like... She's thinking, oh, I'll con these fuckers out another 200 quid. <laughs> Spirits. Then the spirit appears, and of course, she's nowhere to be seen. So I thought it was slightly humorous, but maybe not. Anyway, yeah, so that's it. I think we're ready to score, aren't we? We are. Well, let's start with acting. We've buried the lead here. I think I think the acting was great. Very naturalistic. Superb. Yeah. Um, Gemma was my favourite character, I think. Teddy, probably my least favourite character. But you're supposed to hate Teddy, aren't you? Yeah, I suppose so. He's got a man bun, hasn't he? But you see, the other characters like Emma, the ditzy one, she's supposed to be a bit of a wallflower and a bit of a, a bit of a hanger on, isn't she? So played well. Caroline, the posh northerner, we've all met that girl. Uh, and Haley, the kind of she's been polite because she's in England, but you know that she wouldn't be that nice if it was back in the states, kind of thing. Uh, I thought they were all really well observed. We've, we've, I've met all of these people, uh, and uh, the characterisation was good. The natural dialogue was good. Yeah, it's great. Can't fault it. So let's go. I'm going to go nine. Yeah, and for using the the, the current millennial phrase "let's head" instead of "let's bounce," I have to score it a ten. I think first time oh. I scored ten for acting, but really, really good. Yeah. I want to talk about plot and storyline. It is simple: the old seance gone wrong thing, the old meddling with things you don't understand. It's a bit of a hackneyed <laughs> trope, isn't it? But it's beautifully observed, beautifully written. The whole concept of the film. 
I don't know about you. Uh, like my company had a Zoom magician uh, during the lockdown. Yeah. Which is a similarly weird experience where, you know, he goes, he comes on and says, you know, I've not done this before on Zoom, so let's see how this goes, kind of thing. Uh, it's that, you know, he's ex- again, it's social commentary of what's happened during this period, isn't it? Where yeah. future historians are going to be looking at this going, what the fuck were people doing? Seances online. <laughs> Old fashioned ghost story, but brought right up to date and over the time. Right now, it's got to be an eight. Maybe. In a while, it'll be a seven. Yeah, I thought, you know, it lent itself well to contemporary things like Zoom bombing. Kids love Zoom bombing, didn't they? Where they just, what is you know, Zoom bombing? Zoom bombing is where you, you, when the first three or four months of lockdown, people didn't use passwords for their Zoom meetings or oh, didn't, and you have, can just jump didn't have a pay plan. But anyway, so Zoom bombing was just like jumping in there. And then to avoid litigation, you, would, you wouldn't play yourself being offensive. You would play a video being offensive. That's the other great thing about it, isn't it? One of the reasons why this film is so short is they don't have a full Zoom account. So, you know, at the end of the movie, (laughs) Zoom is saying you've reached the end of your free, you know, meeting period. It never cuts you off, Zoom. I've had three-hour meetings. It's always telling me that. It never cuts you (laughs) off. So it's a lie. It's a lie. Yeah, so I think it hit that really well. And also Zoom fears. I mean, when Zoom just happened to get popular... Uh, the Zoom fears that we had about security, particularly, you know, our details being sent traffic through China, where the Zoom servers are. I think this really picked up on, on, on this new public arena that we have, Zoom, where perhaps it makes us sense our online fragility more than the, you know, the messaging and, and the emailing that we did prior, prior to Zoom, maybe. So I think it picks up on a fear that we all have about Zoom. Speaking of fear, then. Sorry, I didn't score it for plot. I'm gonna, I have to score it down for the ridiculous rationalizations of energy, <laughs> masks, demons, and spirits. Well, that's your standard uh, horror supernatural nonsense. I know. Uh, but generally, you know, the emotional momentum and the mood changes that occurred override that. So I would score it seven, but I'm going to downscore it one simply because it went completely silly. Uh, in the middle. Well, it's, it's a supernatural movie. What do I expect? So six in total. How frightening was this movie? I'm not sure it was the scariest movie of all time, but certainly it was, it was really scary, I think, for a good 20 minutes or so. Like I say, I think it over-egged the pudding a little bit towards the end. But generally, the scares were good. I'm going to score it eight. Richard, how did you feel? I think kill, killing nearly everyone off is grabbing a bit big, isn't it? It is um, a little bit, yeah. The really scary things I think I've mentioned, the, I, I thought the, the medium disappearing with a fleeting that was good, wasn't thing, it? I, that was very good. The animated background, Carolyn being sort of hidden behind it while she was being murdered. That Excellent. was scary. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, and there were some other creepy moments as well, particularly, I think it's Emma, isn't it? She throws a blanket. And it lands on an invisible being. We've seen that before in one of the... I think it was in The Conjuring where that happened, wasn't it? Where a sheet blew against an entity and you saw its form. I'm going to go seven. It is scary, but it's it's supernatural. It's, It's energy, magic, spirits and demons. It's a bit of nonsense. 
But a seven, you know, it's a very creditable score. That's not special effects and science and stuff. The SFX, you know, were absolutely brilliant. So convincing. Because, like I say, I'm pretty sure he insisted that the special effects just be Zoom video feeds. It's just incredible because very little money has been spent on it. And it was really, really scary. Absolutely right. I agree. And it, again, I think in this category, you've got to cover the the ambience and the technical, you know, the whole thing of doing it as a Zoom calls yeah. authentically and getting it right and not having... It's not made up like the den was in uh, Hacked or the den. So, yeah. I mean, improv, improv in improv comedy, this is like called staying in character, isn't it? Yeah. And kind of the whole movie stayed in character all the way through, didn't it? So, yeah. so, so yeah. yeah, I'm going to give it uh, an, a nine. Whoa. Which brings us to final scores. Uh, let me just surmise what, mine what very quickly. What you give quickly. it for the special effects? Oh, a nine. A nine. Overall, I'm going to give it an 8.5. It's a very, very strong recommend. I think its brevity is a huge advantage. It's it's nice. And I do love that bit at the end where they're just opening the bonnet and showing you, opening a hood for our American listener, and showing you the inner workings of how they rehearsed and practiced to do this was really exciting. So really good, really good. I think I'll say an 8. 8.5, yeah. I'll also go 8.5. Yeah, this is a great movie. So his next movie, uh, Dashcam, we'll put on the back burner for some point, presumably. But it brings me to ask you, Richard, what are your offerings for me to select for the following week? I'll give you a choice here. You can either have It Follows, Ah. I think it's a horror movie of some kind, or not a horror movie, the recently released... The Green Knight. Now, I, I I thought about The Green Knight because I listened to In Our Time with Melvin Bragg on Radio 4 uh-huh. one time when they discussed the ancient, well, not ancient, but the very old myth or legend about The Green Knight. So this relates to Gawain and The Green Knight, is that not right? Which is free and on Prime. And for that reason, I'm going to go for your second choice, Richard. The Green Knight. Woohoo! Free! I like that price. Is that a, are you happy with that? I am happy with that. Richard, you are free to watch this in SD, HD, QD, BD. <laughs> SVGA is my choice. All right. <laughs> Until the next time, thank you for being with us. See you in the next one. Ciao for now. Goodbye.